What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Live Free Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Maxwell. We're back, Lex. Yep, we are. Another one. Back in the back in the womb chair. It's good to see you. Yep. Um, today started out sort of fucking crazy. Oh, I um, had to take Sweet Pete to the emergency vet, or I guess just the vet in general, but it's, it's an emergency spot. Mm-hmm. His uh, his cyst opened up. He has like a benign cyst on the back, a pretty large growth, like the size of an egg. And it fucking opened up and started bleeding today. Um, so we had to take him to the vet. Uh, so the morning was kind of stressful. Yeah. Um, but it's nice to sit down. It should be a little relaxing to sit down and talk. We got um, Johnny Command Z. Rodriguez on the show for the second time. We um, we are in the process of recording a documentary with him, a mini doc. Yeah, um, which I don't need, I don't know if we talked about it on the last episode or not, but the we did a little bit. Podcast is that, evolving. Yeah, um, we just got a fucking rad camera, the uh, the Canon Rebel um, T three I. No, it's a SL one. Oh, SL one. Oh, okay, fucking badass camera from a a very. Uh, Generous donation, yeah, very generous to listener to the podcast. So shout out to uh, Mr. P. Yep. Him. He's he's the type of guy that probably he he doesn't seem like he wants any accolades. Like he just wants to help out. Yeah, and he feels strongly about the show and feels like it's important. So he wanted to help out, and so he he donated that camera. And so um, let's uh, this sweet. episode goes out to him. I guess yeah. let's do that, Mr. P. It'll be dedi- Yeah, so that'll be better. Call him Mr. Instead P. of giving him accolades, the podcast will be dedicated to them. Yeah, I think that's better. Yeah, idea. It's like a little plaque. Yes, like they would <laughs> be on the wall. So we'll make a little plaque for him. Um, so let's just—I I think we're a little short on time. Let's just jump right into this thing. So uh, I, I brought up Pete. Uh, if you want to go to my shop, go to mikemaxwellart.com. Uh, click on the shop and check out um, some work that's available. I got a six thousand uh, dollar vet bill today. Yeah, which makes no my bueno. fucking heart sink. But my dog is going to be better, and everything will be fine. So. Um, if you guys want to help out, you can go buy a piece of art, or like always, you could donate to the podcast. If you're like a got five bucks, ten bucks, want to throw it at the podcast, uh, it'll help, and it'll help pay for medical bills for the next fucking ten years. It's like <laughs> buying a new car, almost, or you know, yeah, pretty much buying a used car. Yep. But I love that fucking dog. God damn it! All right, <laughs> so let's let's give Johnny a call. Hey, hey, Mr. Johnny Rodriguez, what's up, my friend? Hi. I don't think I, I refer to you as Command Z, but only when you're not around. I don't think I'd ever. I don't think I've ever called you that as like a name. No. 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 I don't think so. I don't think so. Do, do other people do that? You know how like graffiti guys fucking like they're they're called their graffiti name a lot. Yeah. Like Dale, actually, Dalek was supposed to be on the show today. But I that's I was, I was trying to squeeze him in afterwards, but I don't yeah. think we're gonna have time. Um, yeah, there's certain people that call me. Um, I get commands a lot. People call me Max all the time. I've done it. <laughs> so fucking weird. But again, I was high. So yeah. I refer to you as Maxwell. Really? That's what you, if you're talking about me. Yeah. I, I get that sometimes. The last name. It's kind of weird. Um, so. We have you back on an unprecedented second time on the show. Uh, we're recording a mini documentary with you. Um, we went up and filmed for your show that happened at the beginning of the month at Mary Kurnowski's, um, I'd Rather Love You, which was uh, 
fantastic show. How did you feel about everything afterwards? Um, what kind of what answer do you want? Do you want the? I'm trying yeah, hold to figure on, okay. out how to answer you. Hold cause... on, do the like politically <laughs> okay. correct answer, and then do like what the like you're sitting with your homie and you like are being real about it. Like what that answer would be. All right, um, politically correct answer. It couldn't be happier. A ton of people showed up. Um, the majority of the show, show sold. So I mean, that's what every artist wants. So yeah, it was it was great. Mary opening up the door for the second time and the doors that have opened since the show has passed. It's been, it's been awesome. So, I mean, I, I couldn't be any more grateful. I'm super stoked. But everyone, the turnout, everything. It's just been awesome. And the realistic, uh, and you, sort of like <laughs> the like, realistic, the around, real, like inner feelings, like beyond gratitude and, is yeah. there something else in there? Because it's kind of funny. So I lead up a lot of shows before a show happens, and we don't get a lot of time to talk to people like after a show happens. So it's and since the, we've been hanging out for the past month, like a lot of times to, to to record and stuff. Uh, what is that reality base on the other side of the coin? So I, you know, I think what's hard about answering the real way. Is that you know? <laughs> I'm going to sound totally ungrateful, but I am, you already acknowledge I, that you are. Yeah, I am grateful. I am genuinely grateful, but I couldn't have been any more bummed out or just depressed about the show. Now, is it about the show itself, or is it being depressed that now that the work is done? Like, did no, you- I think it was. It was. It was the show. Like, um, I felt really strong about all the work. That was in the show. At the same time, I wasn't impressed. I don't know. Like I, you know, I don't want anyone to think that I've tried to get them to buy off on some work that I don't believe in. I totally believe in the work. I just I'm not satisfied. I guess. And I don't know. It's hard. It kind of sucks to have that feeling. Like I, I want to go to the show and just be stoked and celebrate. But in the back of my mind, I'm at the show and I'm thinking, like, it just it has to be better. It has to has to be better. Do you think that that – it seems to me that that could be a, just a, a sort of natural reaction that most people have. Do, do you, Because it seems like we put all these expectations and, uh, you know, all the, like, emotional states that go into making the work. And, like – I don't know if anything ever quite turns out how we sort of want or expect it to. Like even when we try our hardest. Like and I think part of that has to do with the fact that you're in you're so in touch with all of the pieces that your vision of what the show is is probably like 360 degree difference than what the regular viewers experience yeah. is. Yeah, for sure. No one I I don't know that I'll ever be good enough to 100% encapsulate what's going on in my head yeah. and translate it to canvas. You know, um, I think I got kind of close. Um, again, super stoked with you know 99% of the show, but it's just hard to walk away from it. And I think everyone's expecting me to celebrate and be stoked and satisfied. 
And the, just the honest truth is I'm not. Yeah. Well, and that's important too, right? Because if you were, what would be compl- complacency would sort of set in, no? Yeah. I, but like, don't normal people, don't normal healthy people walk away from something like that and go like, awesome, cool. Now let's be more productive and move on from there. And Yeah, I don't know. I, <laughs> I mean, it seems that the amount of work and effort that goes into something ends up being a little bit more important than the end result sometimes. And I think that that depressive level that comes from, okay, like that's done. Now what? Like, you know, that sort of mystery. And you said new doors have opened up, but there's still, it's like when you have a very um, sort of blinders on like pinpoint focus on a goal or a task, once it opens back up, that world can get sort of daunting, I think, for some people. Yeah. And just that stress alone, like the anxiety that that could bring, could elicit like a sort of dissatisfaction, maybe? Definitely. I, you know, I just went through it, and I'm looking to go through it again in another year or so. Yeah. But, man, I'm, I, after coming through that, all the more respect to any artist, whether I like their work or not, all respect to any artist that puts a body of work together and shows it and has X amount of people come in and judge it or, you know, just ultimately shares it with the community. Because it takes a lot, man. It took a lot of emotion to put everything out. And then, I, I yeah, but no, I'm still kind of, editing what I'm saying to you because I just I think I should be careful yeah but really that that night was I was fighting you know definitely fighting with trying to just be happy with what what transpired you know which is ironic given the title of the show like even if it, <laughs> it you know like your own relationship with the work being made you know you could even there, that conversation could be had there as well like yeah that you, <laughs> you'd rather love the work, but it still keeps making you hate it and yeah. have to like try to improve and make it better, right? Yeah, there's. I've definitely convinced myself, in just in life in general, not to be satisfied. You know, to always go into something and really expect the best. Like I feel, and it's I. I don't believe it's a selfish thing. I just think it's. For me, it's healthy to always want to push yeah. and to do something and expect the best. And if I'm not going into it expecting that, then I question as to whether why I'm even doing it in the first place. So know? then that begs the question, like, what about making the time and effort to um, give yourself the credit that's due? You know, is there an opportunity for you to sit back and be like, okay, I did a good job. Like, as many people who tells you that they love the paintings and that everything is great, like, can you can you actually take those compliments and can you, like, add it into all that stuff? Like, make it, or is it just, like, is there a wall because it's just you and your relationship with the work itself? Yeah, I, there's a wall, but the, it, it's also in, like, who's giving me these compliments. If it's my best friend that went to the show or my closest friends and they're telling me this stuff. I'm just thinking, well, that's your job. Yeah. And you're supposed to say these things. 
so I don't know how to take that. You know, like, if if I give you a compliment about work, it doesn't come in that like, oh, this is great or this looks awesome. It's when I start asking and talking about techniques that that means that I'm really intrigued and yeah. that I want to know. So maybe that's something that you could take from other people, like when they, <laughs> like when somebody gets in there and really wants to like investigate. Yeah, like maybe that's where the compliments are. Yeah. As opposed to just the sort of like expected, like bless you when you sneeze. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. So you grew up in Los Angeles. I'm curious: is does the city still play an effect on the work that you make? Does it play an effect on the work I make? Uh, I, I would think so. I mean, first and foremost, I'm pretty proud to be from Los Angeles, born in. Um, what would be considered like South Central. Then we moved out to Baldwin Park. Um, and just growing up, we always, family still lived in downtown. So I got to spend a lot of time in um, some pretty cramped apartments in downtown. Um, yeah, I, it's strangely enough, you're the first person to ever ask me that. So do I have like a, like a canned response? I don't, I'd have to really put some thought into it, but. Um, Even like, I, I this, think, seeing people's work that comes from an environment where artwork is often more celebrated than maybe in other cities. Like even, even that effect. Well, hands down, I can't imagine being an artist in in any other city, maybe San Francisco. Yeah. But I like the community over here and I like how, um, it's, it's fairly easy to do commercial work and then start to marry the commercial work with my personal work at the network. The, the ability to network here is it's, it's crazy ridiculous, yeah. you know, but I, I would say one area in which I feel like it affects me is um, how diverse it can be with its culture, you know, and in turn it creates some pretty eclectic looking neighborhoods that are a little on the grimy side and, you know, I'm attracted to that. So, yeah. And it affects my work in that way. And I grew up around a lot of, like, all my friends growing up. And even till today, we're mostly graffiti artists. And seeing that and being around that, that definitely affected me. Um, obviously not to a point to where I picked up graffiti and became a graffiti artist, but was very inspired by that spirit. Now, were you inspired by the work itself or by the nature of the medium? I think yeah. the the nature, yeah, not too inspired by the work itself. Well, you've always had a sort of mischievous kind of um, prankster type of personality, I would say. Like, <laughs> oftentimes, I don't know if you're fucking pulling my chain or like being dead serious. <laughs> so I could see, you know, there's a, a sort of prankster mentality um, to the sort of graffiti culture, <laughs> and maybe more broadly the street art culture in general. You're, you know, you're known to um, play some little games with social media people, like making little puzzles and um, like little like treasure hunts for people to do. And yeah. I, I feel like a lot of that can at least have been inspired by, like, for me personally, like that sort of mentality, like fucking with the system a little bit, like throwing a throwing a stick in the spokes. <laughs> you know, I, I want to answer your question, but all I could think about right now is that one time I came up with that, that stupid, stupid game 
when we were playing, we were painting that 80 foot, 60 foot mural in, on Melrose. Uh-huh. And we were parking the, what was that thing? The lift. We were parking it in the parking lot. Yeah. And we had that automatic gate that would close on a timer. Yeah. And I'll never forget the night. And you can't tell that story and get people to really understand how insanely funny that was because I almost peed my pants from laughing so hard that day, <laughs> that night and you helped make it so the you funniest ex- night. You explained. But there's no, there's no telling that story. I can't tell the story and people are going to be like, oh my gosh, I wish that was, it was so funny. But essentially, we, we, I, I <laughs> you made might have hyped all, it up too much. I, I made us all stand on one end of the parking lot and we had to time the gate and then once I said go, then we all had to race across the parking lot to squeeze through the gate as it was closing. If you didn't make it through, you didn't make it through. <laughs> but the last one, it was the last one who got through won the race, though, right? You had to like wait it out. Is that? Is the, that I don't think there was a. I don't uh, think there was a winner. I think it was just who can make it through the gate by holding off the longest. <laughs> so but what it was just the it always it just the outcome was everybody either you know made it through or jumped the fence and got trampled by rats as they were climbing the fence. But I just remember you being so the non-conformist and rebel that you didn't even want to like join in really? playing the game with the group. <laughs> yeah, if it wasn't like a gambling situation, if there wasn't like a, a bounty, uh, it's easy for me to not get 20 involved, bucks, I'll be the last person through that gate. Yeah, I, I feel like that's what the game was. That if you got through the gate, I feel like I went through the gate first and was like, fuck this game. And meanwhile, you guys were like holding off to the last second, last one out. Like you had to wait till it was almost closed and then do like the movie star, like slide (laughs) under the like wall sliding down, like Indiana Jones shit. But I definitely was cheating because I had played played that game. He had been timing it. All week. Oh, all week. So I knew, I knew like when you needed to go before the gate would slam on you. And it wasn't one of those gates where once you got close, it would automatically reopen. It would just shut. It was like a three-ton block of wood. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I I thought you were going to bring up the time in London where we were like, like trying to figure out how much money it would cost to jump in the fucking little river. We were on like a walk through the city, and it was freezing. It was so fucking cold. And we were like figuring out, like uh, it was me, you, and Alex, I think, and we were trying to figure out like how much money it would take, like who would jump in for how much oh, money. Oh gosh, it's it's total like little like grifter hustler moves all the time. The fact that you yeah. took enough time to like try to time the gate run, <laughs> and then get everybody involved to do it. It's like counting cards. Yeah, <laughs> there's all sorts of weird grifts like that. Like uh, there's a guy who. Uh, so if you take a hundred people, like say you're in a restaurant and you ask a hundred people or maybe like 75 people, 60 people what their birthday is, you'll find two people with the same birthdays. Okay. So, and it's like a 85%, 90% like rate that you'll, that you'll find two people with the same birthday. But so you could make a bet with somebody who, when you say it, you're like, no way we're going to find somebody like within 50 people that have the same birthday. But just so happens that you do. But there's little things like that that if you just know a little bit of extra information, you can fuck yeah. people up. And yeah, that, you could. You uh... That's how it goes. <laughs> I mean, you see like hackers. I feel like hackers kind of are in that same vein. They're almost like graffiti writers, but not really. 
There's a there was a kid. <laughs> I don't know if you saw this, Lex, but at UCSD, some kid went and um, smashed apart a fountain that was like des- uh, donated by some world famous uh, sculpture sculpture maker, whatever, and then went and spray painted on the building. You may you might expel me you might do something but you'll never stop me you know like <laughs> like super like villainous like dude he went through and broke all the fu- like a bunch of the security cameras like Damn. around the little area and a bunch of people like uh, an art person one of the local uh, art critics posted about it here and i was like that kind of sounds like an act of like a political act to me it's not just they made it like senseless act of uh, vandalism like he was just trying to fuck shit up I was like, this is somebody with a message who's disgruntled and is like expressing himself some way because he doesn't have any other way to express himself, or at least not that he's yeah. figured out. You know, no more constructive ways. He said, "Fuck it." So yeah. I'm just gonna fuck shit up. They have a picture of him, and he's got like a mask on, like a ninja mask, <laughs> and fucking like rubber like dishwashing gloves and shit. <laughs> it's fucking so good. He's awesome. But so like I see that mentality come out and but what's interesting I don't know if it comes through in the work that you make. It seems like you're and this is something I found with my own stuff is like your work is never really funny. It's not there's not a jest to it. Like it seems to be pretty it, like like a serious note most of the time. You think I think a, so. That fair? I don't know like how many how many artists do we know? whose work is funny there. I mean, I'm, if I were to, were to think about it, we can come up with the list, but I, can, I don't know that there are too many. I see it a lot. Like I see a lot of like sense of humor and I know that you have yeah, a sense guess, of like this playfulness. And I feel like I have a sense of humor too, but it's, it's never showing in the work. Um, yeah. Think about that one. Yeah. I'd have to think about that one. I think there's, I think I've done a little bit of humor, but then it's my humor, which is maybe a little on the dark side. Yeah. But yeah, kind of definitely dry. the work. The work overall is intended to be pretty serious. So it seems sure. to me. I know, like when we met, you, you got a piece from me. I think before we met, right? Uh, that um, was reminiscent of something that reminded you of your family and your your early life. It seems like your family life shows up in your work a lot. Um, and this is something that, you know, if I'm looking at from the perspective of my own stuff, I don't feel like my, even though I may try to like get like my familiar story, like the things that are happening around me into the work, it, it doesn't necessarily always correlate, but it seems for you, I feel like looking at your stuff and knowing you as, as a man that your family, your, your, Bring it, your upbringing, your parents, all these things seem to um, show up in the work. Even if it's metaphorical, it still seems to be recognizable. How has your family played a role in your art-making process? Well, my family, their role in my art-making process, I would say it's crucial. I mean, this last show was all about family and not necessarily in the lightest or positive light you know I definitely am talking about some stuff that's extremely personal and has affected me and rocked my world permanently so I know so that's what the whole show's about your mom came out to the show how did uh, how did she perceive the work I don't know that she did at all 
I don't, I honestly, I don't know that she bothered looking at any of the pieces on the wall. She didn't comment on it. I think for her, this is what I, how I see her sure. looking at the yeah. show. Like, oh, my son, look, he looks so nice. <laughs> look at all these peoples. <laughs> They're here to see him. And he looks nice. He did his hair. That's, I just, outside of that, it's like, mom, there's art on the wall. Yeah, but you look really nice tonight. And there's all these people that came out to support you. That's all she cared about. And the whole night, she was just kind of staring at me with the biggest smile on her face. And I think, you know, that for me, if I were to like really think about it and think about the wins that night and the things that I can like be really stoked about, that's probably one of my favorite things about this show is having my mom there. Yeah. She's getting older. Um, not saying that she's going to be dying soon, but having her look at me with those eyes and that smile on her face and every like half hour she would bring over someone I didn't know and she would say, <laughs> this is my son. I want you to meet my son. You know? Yeah. And so that's, great. that's pretty huge. Yeah. That's amazing. And to, you know, I'm sure it makes, it gives her incredible pride to see, like yeah. her son affect other people in a positive way, you know? Yep. And all those accolades and shit. Probably makes her feel like she did something right too, right? Yep. I would I think assume. So. I think that'd be like the big I'd be way, story. I'd be stoked if I was my son, I think. <laughs> I think. I don't know. Do your boys have interest in art? Yeah, man. They're they're all drawing. They're drawing a lot. Nice. Um always answering questions for them and showing them how to think about certain things that they're trying to make or how to approach it. But recently, you know, I don't have my boys anymore. And so my time with them is very limited. And I took them out to Vegas over the summer and I was sitting poolside with my oldest son and we're having a conversation about, you know, he's wanting to do more art. And I'm trying to give him my thoughts on it. And, and he kind of just came out and was like, well, why, you know, you've never, you know, been there for me, I guess what he was trying to get at, or you've never really taught me anything. Mm-hmm. And I go, you know, you're right. I've never really sat with you and taught you much about art. And I told him it's for a reason, you know, I've put, jiu-jitsu in front of you and made you learn the trumpet and there were certain things that as parents we made you do knowing that potentially you're going to reject it and feel pressure to do it or just eventually not want to do it and we did that for you so that you can learn how to accomplish things or not be playing video games (laughs) right yeah And, and i go why And I think the neatest part of that conversation was when I asked him, why do you think I never pushed art on you? And his response was, because you wanted me to find it on my own. And I was like, it blew my mind. I was like, a hundred percent. Like, exactly. I couldn't be the one. It's the most important thing in the world to me. And I needed to make sure that you chose and you found it on your own. And it wasn't because something I pushed. So my teaching you art and my showing you was by leaving you alone, but doing it in front of you a lot constantly. So in the hopes that you would look at me and say, whatever it is that he's doing, I want to be a part of that. 
and he's not there yet and he's learning and I'm still hoping that he's going to still continue to find it on his own. You know, I said, yeah, I mean, I'm there for where, whenever you choose, but it has to be your choice. You know? And did you find that to be a hard choice on your own? Did you want to force it on him? Heck or, yeah. or like jujitsu or anything, you know, like you just want to make little use, right? Yeah. Like little totally. improved I, you know, versions. They're doing Taekwondo right now. And, you know, ultimately, you know, any kind of martial art, I respect it. Yeah. Um, but it's not jujitsu. <laughs> and I, it's, 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 it, it's not that I, I want to, in this conversation right now, not that I want to, knock down Taekwondo and say, well, it's ineffective or whatever. It's that I want to promote Jiu-Jitsu. And I think it's important enough for me to see through to my black belt, then why not for my kids, you know? But I'm still hoping, the hope is that they're going to eventually decide to come back and train one day. I just don't see how it is that you can have a dad that's a black belt and not want to train. But that's me. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I, you probably utilize utilize the same parenting techniques, you know. Yeah. You know, I, it, it's it's a, it's a bright idea. The more you try, the more you tell me to do, and I'm like 12 in my brain, so the more you tell me to do something, I'm gonna be like, "Fuck, I ain't gonna do that shit." But the more yeah. I find things that I found enjoyable on my own, I'm like, I want to do this all the time. And as long yeah. as you could steer them in a, you know, a light push. You know, one way or the other. Um, another thing that we talked about recently was in what makes sense with the show too, being titled "I Would Rather Love You." Um, some of that stuff has been inspired by the jujitsu practice too. You're, you're getting your black belt um, here pretty soon, a few weeks, next month. Uh, yeah, having the capabilities to like physically harm somebody in you know what could be a mortal way, um, what could be like life-changing ways. We find that people who do these practices tend to try to avoid fights at all costs. Um, do you see jujitsu affecting your work in this same way uh, in, in terms of like your recent show or, you know, some of your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, has jujitsu affected my work? For sure. And has my work affected jujitsu, vice versa? Yeah. I think the more I sit and contemplate the marriage of the two, they are more connected than ever before. And not only in physical practice, but in, in concept as well. I, I think the ideas of my show directly correlate to what I teach when I'm teaching a class in jiu-jitsu. The idea of, you know, I always tell the students, you think that you're coming here to learn a martial art that's going to allow you to go and hurt somebody or defend your, not necessarily defend yourself because that is always a positive and a good. Right. But you think you can, you know, take this information and then go into a street fight. Only doing it after X amount of years, you come to find out that fighting is the last thing that you ever want to do. You know, yeah. that you would much rather run. You, you become good at running away <laughs> from the situation, right? Yeah. 
That's I brought that up last um, night true. in class. I was having an, uh, the professor and a fellow purple belt were talking about how how much they hate guard pooling and think guard pooling is terrible. And then it ultimately leads to like I would never guard pull in a street fight or like I would never like even want to be on my back. And it it's like you know the first thing that you would do in a street fight is just run away, like avoid the fight. You know, like that's my best yeah. avoidance of the best way to win a fight is to not get in it in the first place. Exactly. And then the idea that somebody yeah. would just pull guard anyway, but that's a whole separate conversation about guard pulling that could go on forever. But uh, but it's, it's, think, it's true. It's like your feet are your best asset, and your mind, your mind yeah. to know. Yeah, I think even if we were to take it a little step further than that, we train hard, and we train a lot, and when we train, we really sometimes we hurt each other. And it's a real, it's a grind. It's a real, real grind. And you, the best way I can describe it is um, swimming out to really black, black, deep, deep water and submerging yourself with your partner and seeing who can, who's going to come up for air first. And that place is really cold and dark. That's how I look at it, jujitsu, you know. So in turn, you start learning how to deal with a lot of crap. And when you're there, as much as we are sometimes, start having to deal with personalities and it's i guess this is what's different about it if i come into work and i have to deal with personalities and there's a clash we go sit down in an office and we respect the handbook and the laws right and there's structure but if there's a clash at the academy we're fine there's not like hey, let's <laughs> yeah. sit down and you know so learning how to deal with personalities, it's a really big deal. So, yeah, in the real world, in a street fight, there's the option to run. But there's also this other option to, like, really understand somebody and talk to them. Because you know, I think, was it Bruce Lee that talked about if you're going to learn how to break someone, then you also have to know how to heal them? I think it was Bruce Lee's master that talked about that. Interesting. So the ability not only to, and you know, I can't physically heal somebody, but I can at least make an attempt to get them to understand <laughs> my perspective or to understand their perspective yeah, and maybe heal yourself. the situation and mend in that way. Yeah. Do you think that that comes from understanding? Like, so I think for me, understanding that there's a lot of people in this world that could really put me in my place. One allows me to think differently about myself, like let my ego deflate. I guess we you learn to deflate the ego so that you can sort of understand what somebody else's ego is doing, maybe. Yeah, I think, it, and that's hard. Because essentially, hard that's what it is, right? Clashes of yeah. egos. Yeah, and just putting yourself aside. I mean, that's um, the main piece from the "I'd Rather Love You" show. There's an actual piece called I'd Rather Love You, and it's the robot laying in the field, and there's the inner growth coming from his chest and the birds feeding off of it. The idea of that piece is that I or we or whoever, we should be able to find ourselves to the point to where we're willing to lay ourselves down to allow someone to learn or feed. It's just hard to do that. Yeah. It's hard to, like put yourself aside in your own 
ideas or thoughts and perspective aside. That's hard. Maybe one of the hardest uh, things to do. Yeah. And, you know, I'm paying about it doesn't mean I'm doing it, but I'm learning about it and I'm making efforts to be that. No, and that's what it takes. Like, you have to be mindful of those emotions and those actions before you can even think to try to change any of them. Yeah. Yeah, all right. That that seems like a good spot. Yeah. All right, brother. I want to thank you again for, for everything. Your paintings look super awesome, and they're really good, and you painted them really nice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to say to that, but thanks, Mike. Yeah, you're welcome. All right, let's do Internet Dap, and we'll go about our days. Bam. Thank you, brother. Let's um, right. get together My- soon. Am I going to see you on the 7th? You will see me. I will see you in a couple weeks. But if we can get together before that, I'm down. Maybe we All should right. go do a show your roll roll. I, didn't, I have that gi for you still. I didn't give it to you at the show. All right. Okay. All right, bud. All right, brother. Be good. I'll Peace. see you later. Peace. Later. All right. Yep. So that's pretty good, huh? Yeah. All right. Thanks, Lex. No problem, man. Uh, should we go follow the podcast at Live Free Podcast? Yes. Follow Producer Lex at Producer Lex. And you can follow me at Mike Maxwell Art. Uh, and go donate to the show or go buy some art so that I can pay off my vet bill. Vet bill. Pete will thank you for it. Yeah. Shout out. Maybe we'll make some Pete prints and send them out to all the nice people. All right. That'll be good. Later, guys. Love ya. Satisfy my soul, baby. Satisfy my soul. Satisfy my soul, baby. Satisfy my soul. You're like cool water to my thirsty soul. Say, say, you keep me warm when the times are